0: Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. I want to ask you, if you will, to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22 matthew chapter twenty two last week we kind of started a a series of of uh, sermons related to uh, uh, what it is that what is it you know that we think what is it that God wants from us and so often we try and live a certain way in which uh, we feel like uh, is the right way but uh, maybe it's not what God wants for us and so last week we talked about the first thing that God wants from us, and that's to believe in Him. We talked about faith and how it's important for us to have faith in God and more than just head knowledge or uh, just an awareness of who God is, but a true faith in God, a true belief in God. Not just simply to say we believe in God, but to actually put it into practice, to to actually live as though we believe in God. And so many times we go throughout our life uh, and we... We say we believe in God, but we don't uh, put our uh, life in order in terms of, of demonstrating the fact that we believe in God. We, we do a lot of things that, that indicate that we don't. So we looked at all of that last week. Tonight, uh, Today we're going to uh, look at the second thing that, uh, that God wants from us. After a belief in Him, God wants us to love Him. God wants us to love him. Now you you say, well, I thought that was something that we have to do from the beginning. I said, and here's the answer to that. Uh, First, you have to believe in him before you can love him. You can't. uh, Now, let me just share with you something. There's a lot of people in this world that believe in God, believe there is a God, but they don't love God they they believe that there is a you know you've got all these uh Now, there's a lot of good work that some of these organizations like AA and some of the others uh, that are out there, but uh, they'll sit there and say, well, we believe there's a higher power there. We believe that our life is governed by a higher power. And some of those people uh, say, well, that's God that that we're talking about. Uh, They believe in God, but they don't necessarily love God. They don't demonstrate the fact that they love God. I I mean, uh, there's... uh, You know, a lot of people get confused between atheist and agnostic. An atheist, thank you very much, an atheist doesn't believe that you can know that there is a God. Uh, And an agnostic... um, no, an atheist believes there's not a God, but an agnostic believes you can't know whether or not there is a God. They kind of live live out leave out there the possibility that there may be God, but they believe that there's a possibility that there is a God, but that doesn't mean they love God. They obviously don't love God or else they would believe in God. So there's a lot of people that... that Believe that there is a God, but they don't love Him for whatever reason. Maybe they feel like God did something bad to them. Maybe they believe that God allowed something bad to happen to them. Uh, but one of the first things that we have to do is first believe in God. Then, secondly, we must love God. So we're going to look at that today. Uh, Matthew chapter 23. This comes from a period of time in the life of Jesus where He's been going around talking and teaching, uh, teaching His disciples and teaching those who've come to Him. And this is the third of a series that Matthew's placed together of times in which the Pharisees and Sadducees have tried to come and ask questions to Jesus in order to trip Him up, to trick Him, to cause Him to, be, to fall out of favor with the people. Um, Jesus has been teaching in Matthew prior to this about what the kingdom of God is and uh, what uh, the kingdom of God is like. And then uh, the Pharisees come and they, uh, they ask Him questions about... Um, well, for instance, uh, if someone were to die and, uh, and have a situation, who are they going to be married to? And Jesus says, look, it's it's not about marriage in heaven. It's about your relationship to God. Right. And... Um, then they, uh, the first question they asked him was, uh, in order to try and get him in, in trouble with the Roman government, they said, uh, is it lawful to pay taxes? And uh, Jesus probably, they thought that Jesus would say, oh no, you don't have to pay taxes because there's only one ruler in our life and that's God and that would have gotten Jesus in trouble with the Roman government uh, as a, a dissenter, someone who was trying to overthrow the government. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, in, in essence, He said, um, uh, "Who's?" Uh, he says, uh, uh, pay Caesar un, uh, pay unto Caesar what is due unto Caesar. Uh, give unto God what's uh, uh, due unto him. He says, look at the coin. Um, whose image is on that coin? He says, uh, and they say, well, Caesar's image is on the coin. Jesus says, well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. That's Caesar's coin. That's not God's coin. That's Caesar's coin. But what he was getting at was, is, who are you? You're the image of God. You ought to give yourself to God. Give Caesar the coin. Give God yourself. True. And so we see here that Jesus has answered without any problem all the questions that have arisen. And in verse 34 it says, but when the Pharisees had heard that uh, Jesus had put the Sadducees in silence, they were gathered together. They were probably over there uh, celebrating. They, they didn't get along with the Sadducees all that much. They disagreed about uh, life after death and, and the resurrection. And so they were probably, all right, this is our chance. Let's go get them. And so one of them, which was a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, this was to try and uh, put Jesus at difference with those in the religious community. Jesus said unto him, uh, he's answering the greatest command. He says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And this is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it thou shalt love uh, thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So this is the command that Jesus gives us. That we're to love God with all of our all of who we are. And so after we come to god and believe in him we're to love him what's the sense in believing in god if we don't have a relationship with him Uh, it's one thing to just simply believe that there's a god out there but god doesn't want simply for us to believe in him he wants us to love him and so jesus says uh you're to love god and all those who were of the uh, Jewish persuasion who are listening to him would understand this uh, saying. It comes from a command that was given uh, in the Old Testament that they recite this um, uh, twice a day. Uh, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy... Uh, and, uh, Mark says spirit, uh, Matthew here says mind. So Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. What is really love? What is, uh, uh, w- that's not the beginning of a song. That's, that's really what the question that we need to really think about. What is love? Is it those fluttery feelings you feel inside of you uh, um, when you are sitting next to somebody that, that's really caught your fancy? That, that, is that really love? Well, we can't have that kind of love with God. Uh, You know, we don't have that kind of of relationship with God. It's a different kind of love. Uh, In the Greek, there's several different words for love. There's one love that is is used, agape love, that is the the godly kind of love, and that's the kind of love that God loves us with. It's not the same as the eros kind of love, the kind of love that we talk about when we uh, find that special someone that we want to, uh, uh, have a relationship and, and marry and, and start a family with. That's the different kind of love. It's not the phileo love, the kind of love that's used uh, towards uh, someone that's very close to you as a brother. Uh, it's not any of those. Uh, it's the God, agape kind of love, a kind of love that's, that's there regardless of how you act, how you uh, react. Basically, what Jesus is saying to them is, is, you need to love God the same way He loves you. You need to love God, first of all, with all of your heart. Well, if you have uh, ever been a young person in love, you know that love uh, can be fickle when you're young. When you're young, you can uh, uh, have uh, an opportunity that you see someone that you think is really nice and that you really think that you might love and... But all of a sudden, if they don't treat you the right way, they don't respond to you in the right way, you could turn that on a dime and start loving somebody else that comes along. That's not the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here. When you love someone with your whole heart, you love them uh, unreserved. And really what Jesus is talking about is really at the heart of the problem that Israel had. God spoke many times about the relationship that he had with Israel as the kind of love. And he spoke about it in terms of uh them he God's always desired that that the people of God love him, that people uh, that that we love him. And he equated when they would go off and uh uh, allow uh, themselves to worship idols and get involved in in the worship of other gods he related that to uh, the act of adultery an act of fornication he said, and and this all wraps up with his uh, uh, his expression of how we should love him with our whole heart. If you love God with all of your heart, there's no room for anyone else. There's no room for another God to come into your life and and to woo you and say, you know, uh, well, I, you know, God's great and everything, but I can give you wealth. I can give you prosperity. I can give you uh, great crops, which is uh, you know a, a great concern in an agrarian society but God wants us to love him with our whole heart regardless of what and when you love someone with your whole heart you have no room for anyone else you have no room for anything else you love God with all of your being with everything in you that means there's no room for uh, uh, the things of the world the possessions that uh, people get so caught up in or uh, prosperity or wealth or any of these other things, if you love God with all of your heart, then, then that means that you love Him regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of what may be out there that would uh, cause you to, to be distracted. God desires for you to love Him with your whole heart. You might say, well, I do love God with all of my heart. That's great, but do you, act, like we talked about yesterday and ter- uh, last week in terms of faith, does your life bear it out? Do you love God? Does your life show that you love Him with your whole heart? Well, what, uh, how do we know that? Well, if, you, if there's anything that, I, here's the model that I always uh, placed before that question. Do you love God enough to where if there's a special game on, on Sunday morning, Super Bowl or, or uh, say uh, 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 the Wimbledon Open or, or, or uh, uh, PGA or Bass Pro Fisher, whatever it is, the college football hall of fame game or or a, a championship game, if there's anything in your life that would keep you from being in God's house or being in a relationship with God, like one of those things, then you don't love God with your whole heart. Or say, for instance, you're one of these guys that loves to go fishing or hunting or, or going to watch the NASCAR races. If that gets in the way of you Having a relationship with God, and you spend more time doing that than you do in relationship to in your relationship to God, then maybe you don't love God with your whole heart. If you love God with your whole heart, when you wake up in the morning, you ought to be thinking about Him. When you lay down at night, the last thing you think about ought to be about Him. When you, that's the kind of you look. If you're married and you have a relationship with a spouse. Isn't that the kind of relationship you want to have with your spouse? Wouldn't you, want, uh, you wouldn't want somebody that, uh, to love somebody that, that only loves you when they feel like loving you. They, you wouldn't want to love somebody when it's convenient for them to love you. You wouldn't want to love someone when, uh, if they only love you when you do things for them. Or they do things for you. Uh, uh, you know, you wouldn't want to love someone if, if all the, the only time that, that you loved them was, or that they loved you was uh, when you gave them presents or uh, when you uh, cooked for them or took them out. Look, it, if you're in a relationship where uh, your, your uh, significant other gets upset at you because you don't go out to eat all the time with them, or you don't take them to on vacation and all these wonderful things, then maybe they don't really love you. They only love you for what you can do for them. That's what God wants out of you. you he wants you to love Him regardless of what He does for you, regardless of the fact. Look, there's a lot of people in the church. Look, not just out in the world, but in the church. They only lo- they love God. And you ask Him, why do you love God? Well, He sent Jesus to die on the cross. Okay, that's a big part of loving God. But look, if the only reason you love God is because He sent Jesus to die for you on the cross and to give you salvation, then you're putting conditions on your love for God. You ought to love God even if He had not sent Jesus to die for you. Now, I'm not saying He didn't. I'm saying... You should not put conditions on your love for God. God does not put conditions on His love for you. You say, well, how can that be? How do you know that? Well, I can tell you that is certain because He did send His Son to die on the cross and He loved you enough to do that for you even when you and I did not love Him. When we were at enmity with God, when we were enemies with God, when we were yelling and, sh- and shouting and kicking and screaming at God, saying, "I want to do my own thing. I want to sin the way I want to. I want to live my life the way I want to live." I, don't tell me what sin is. God still loved you enough to send Jesus to die for you on the cross. He didn't wait until you all of a sudden said, "You know, I love God," and then he said, "Okay, I'll let I'll let Jesus die on the cross for you now." He sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins even when we were at odds with God, when we're at opposition with God and expressed His love for us in that same way. Now, if He loved us, that's loving us with His whole heart. Jesus says one of the greatest things you can do is to love God with your whole heart. Love Him even when you don't feel like He's answering your prayers the way you would have Him to answer, even when your life may not be going the way that you feel like it ought to be going. I admire the people who have endured such hardships like those who kept their faith and love for God even in the midst of persecution. Like, uh, you don't have to go back that far, really. Go back to the time of persecution of the Jewish people uh, during uh, the World War II. You have all these people, who, and Christians as well, who were put in concentration camps, who were, uh, their life was threatened because of their faith in God. They love God even in the midst of all of that, in the midst of of being persecuted, in the midst of being marched into gas chambers and and killed simply because they were Christian. Now there's people to this day that are still martyred for their faith, that are still uh, uh, persecuted for their faith. I have great respect for those people because look, their life is going uh, worse than any of us can ever comprehend. And yet they still love God. They still profess their love for God. That's the kind of love that God calls for us to have with our whole heart. He says, also love Him with our whole mind. Okay, well, if you already love God with your whole heart, how can you love God even more? He says, love Him with your whole mind. And what is Jesus trying to tell us about that? How often do you think of God in your love for Him? Do you only have time for God for an hour on Sunday morning? Maybe occasionally when you sit down to, uh, to eat, you think, well, I better thank God for the meal I've got. Maybe uh, once a year when you come to church for Christmas uh, or at, on Mother's Day, something like that. You don't love God with your whole mind when all, that's the only time you think of Him. Let's bring that down to a personal level that you can understand and comprehend. Let's say, for instance, uh, you're going on a trip. You're going because of your work. Maybe you're going someplace like Tokyo, or you're going someplace like uh, Paris. And only you're going, not the rest of your family, just you. You're going to uh, there because of your job or something else that you're doing. And so you go and you head off for this place. And you get home. Well, one of the first things you can demonstrate your love for your family is once you get there, what would you do? Pick up the phone and say, hey, I got here okay, I'm fine. That tells them back there, you you think about enough of them that in the midst of all the fun you're having, you're telling them, hey, I'm thinking of you even in the midst of being in this wonderful place. I'm thinking of you back home. Then when you get home, when you come through the door, what what do you expect? You expect your family to come running and embrace you and say, oh, we're so glad you're home. We're so happy. Well if you got little ones, you, they want to say, Daddy, would you bring me? Isn't that one of the first things to say, Daddy, what'd you bring me? And what does that demonstrate? Not just simply a gift that you've brought from someplace exotic or someplace different, but the fact that you thought of them while you were there. It demonstrates the fact that I thought of you and I, I, I love you so much, that my thoughts were about you, that I thought of I found something of significance that means the world to you, and I brought it home to demonstrate the fact that I was thinking of you over there when you weren't with me. That's, that's loving someone with your mind. That even while you're apart, you're thinking of them. That in everything that you do, your mind is aware of your love for that person. God wants us to love Him so that even in the midst of all the things that you're doing, whether it's good times or bad times, your mind is on God. Not because of what He can do for you, but simply because you love Him. So that when good things are happening and all the world is great, You're thinking of God saying, God, I know you are a part of this. God, I know that you love me and I know that you're with me. Even in the midst of your difficult times and your turmoil, you're saying, God, I know you're with me. God, I know... I don't have to worry about asking the question, God, where are you? Because I know you're right here with me. And while I don't understand I'm going through this, I know you have a higher purpose in it. God, I know you'll get me through this. That's having a love for God with all of your mind. And loving God with all of your mind ought to also mean that you do everything you can with your mind to demonstrate your love for God. Amen. Without looking, this is a good this is a good uh, test for you, men. Without looking, what's the color of your wife's eyes, ladies? What's the what's your husband's favorite song? Some of these things. We ought to know like this because it, it demonstrates the fact that we love our spouse enough to know more than just simply the superficial things. Amen. We know... Look, my, my wife can hear, uh, hear the way I say something and know how I feel about it. I can be sitting in my house And I can hear a cough, and I can know whether or not it's my wife or my child. I can even tell you which child it is, not just by the direction of the sound, but know exactly by the sound of that cough that I know who it is that coughed it. Mm -hmm. When my girls were little and Cynthia and Christina were sharing the same crib in the same room, we had one monitor for the room. Why would you buy two, right? We had a monitor and we would be downstairs in our house in West Virginia and we'd hear him cry. I could tell instantly which one it was. So could Robin because we loved him. We knew everything about them. We knew what that cry meant. We knew if it meant that they were hungry. We knew if it meant that they had a dirty diaper. We knew if it meant that they just couldn't get comfortable. We knew everything about it. They weren't weren't telling us by words. They were telling us by the type of cry. And we knew exactly what was going on. We knew which one was coughing when they were coughing. We knew everything about them because we loved them. When you love God, you'll spend time more than just an hour before Sunday school studying about God and about His love for you. You'll spend more time than just simply the time you're here in church getting to know God and loving Him with your whole mind means that nothing consumes your mind more than your relationship to God. That's loving God. Now there's some people in this world that have a fantastic memory, and they can tell you uh, who who played in the 1963 World Series, uh, which players had hits, how many uh, runs were were done, how many at bats, and all this kind. They they know all these box scores, and it's amazing. I, I I I can't see how they can keep up with all that, but they love the sport of baseball so much they know all this information. They can tell you how many times a certain team's gone to the World Series. When was the last time they won one? How many times, how many wins they had last year? Who was on their roster? Who uh, who was pitching in a certain game? All those things because they love the game. They study it. They spend time. If you don't love God that kind of way, then you don't love God. Amen. You ought to love God so much that you ought to be able to. Uh, read Scripture and study it and spend time with God devoting your whole self to the love of God. Then he says you need to love God with your whole strength, with your, all, your mind, your might, with your whole soul. Our love for God should consume us. Our love for God should be all that is in us. And today I want to ask you, do you have that kind of love for God? If you love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, then when God tells you, that we ought to be out in this community reaching the lost. It shouldn't matter whether or not you have to knock on the door or if you have to dress like a gladiator and go uh, fight a, a lion in order to get to somebody to tell them about the love of God in your life. You ought to be willing to do whatever it takes to be able to express God's love for other people. You ought to do whatever it takes to serve God because why? Not because of something He's done for you, but because you love Him. Because... You've given your whole self to Him. That's what Jesus is telling them. He's telling them, you need to devote everything there is to you, in you, to express the love of God in your life. And He says that and demonstrates that in verse 39. He says the second commandment is like unto it. He says thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. He says it's not just merely enough to say you love God this way. He says you ought to demonstrate that love to your neighbor. You ought to demonstrate that love to those who are around you. You say you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, then show it. Show it to other people. Show it to the person that lives next door. Show it to the person that you happen to meet driving down the road. Show it to the person that is mean to you. Oh, that's the hard one, isn't it? It's easy to love some, And Jesus even said this. Look, it's it's easy to love someone when they're doing good to you, but to love someone who is ugly to you, someone who hates you and despises you. That's a true test of love. Amen. That's really a true demonstration of having the love of God in you. Because God loved you that way, you can't, have the, you can't love other people without having that love within you and, lo, and loving God that way. And so, we're to love others. That means the person that, that cheats you in business the person that is underhanded in your social life or in your business life, the person that undercuts you because they like nothing more than to cut you down, whatever it might be, you love others. Love those who are different from you. Jesus said that when He, demonst- uh, when he told the disciples at the end of His earthly ministry, when He said, Go and preach to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, "Not just don't just tell the people around here. Go to the people that are not like you. Go to the people that are foreigners. Go to the people that are outcasts. Go to not just Jerusalem, but Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth. Go to everyone. Now you see, there's a lot of people that say they love God, but they can't, they don't demonstrate it when they show prejudice to people of color, prejudice to people of other uh, backgrounds, other faiths, prejudice against people that are just not like them. We're to love others like God loves them. Love them in the way in which God loves us. That means loving them even when they're, they're not aware of God and His love for them. Loving them despite all of those things. We're to love do you love God? Do you love God with all of your heart, mind, and soul? Maybe today you need to ask yourself, if I truly believe in God, do I love Him? Do I love Him the way I'm supposed to love Him? Or do I just say that I love Him? Like we said with faith, it's more than just simply Having a faith that God exists, but having a faith in God that's demonstrated in our actions. It's more, we're to love God more than just with our words and saying, Oh, I love you. I love you, God. But to demonstrate it with all the things that we do. Let's pray.